Hello and welcome to another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager for Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson from Bone Training. What do you say, Rob? You see that training schedule came out? Hmm? I sure did. You're going to be a busy oh, man. Oh, baby. It's, it, I can smell it, man. I yep. can smell it. Yeah. You got I'm the training. You. I, I don't know if you've looked at it, but I don't think the training schedule has been out maybe two weeks now. So yeah. if you're listening and you were thinking about heading to a training, man, you better jump on it. I was shocked how many schools are already sold out. Hmm. Yeah. So. I'm excited about it. I talked to the guys and uh, Jeremiah Strong in Nashville is already getting the uh, the place uh, organized and set up for some schools. And uh, man, I love to see it. Yep. Everybody's getting their, their shots. I think we, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel here. And I'm just praying 2021, we get back to a little normal, get back to some training. Yep. Yep. So Rob, Last week episode, we talked to uh, Chris Zizza and about some some ways to be successful in your business this year. So with just the two of us, I thought it'd be only appropriate to talk about how to go broke. Let's go the other way that we went with Zizza. Right. <laughs> this is the this is the how not to show. <laughs> well, I don't know where we're going to go with this, but I'll tell you an interesting st- statistic that I read. Seven out of 10 businesses fell within the first 10 years. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I, there's... I, am, I was shocked that it was that much, but is there another one for restaurants? I think restaurants oh. is like crazy. <clears throat> yeah. Like two yeah. years. If you can, if a restaurant can make it past two years, I'm pretty sure that's what I heard. But uh, it's crazy, I, I... that number. I've got a great idea for a restaurant, man. And I keep running it by my wife all the time about run, opening up a restaurant one day. And she wants no part of it. Because <laughs> I got, my- well, I, uh, what is the Wayne? How, first off, what's the name of the place? Well, Highlanders place, of course. Highlanders. Yes. Right. I, I'd eat at a Highlanders. Sure. Yeah, one day when you're, you know, 70 years old, you're not doing floors anymore. You can come by, you know. Yeah. You know, we so don't, what the, we don't take checks, but I, I know you don't cook. So what's no. your idea for the restaurant? Well, that's the problem my wife has. I, I the, anyway, I size up this plan. Um, she's doing all the work. And, uh, so, <laughs> Hey, listen, I got a very simple plan. You do three things and you do them fantastic. And then that's it. You make a great hamburger with, with, uh, with homemade French fries. You make a fantastic salad. And then throw in, I don't care what, like a, like a great, like every Sunday, like cake and ice cream for the people that get out of church, really like homemade ice cream. That's all you do. That's it. Yeah, you don't need more than that. Anytime I see a menu that's got 35 things on the menu, I, I, I don't like it. So you must go crazy upset when you come to New York and go to like our standard Greek diner where they Here's give the- you an encyclopedia. Greek restaurants have, Greek restaurants do that. Oh, but, it's nuts. Man, you people in New York got the best restaurants, man. I was watching a show actually last night on uh, this guy uh, restaurants in Queens, Queens, New York, just that one neighborhood. Oh my God. It was unbelievable the food that they have in New York, man. 
But um, anyhow, where do we get off topic on that? So, uh, so that's your restaurant. That's Highlanders. That's it. Very simple. Serve, very simple. We serve burgers, fries, and ice cream. Yeah, but homemade fries. Really good. I mean, I'll, that's all one dude does every so day. So instead of like, having the golden arches, you're going to have the golden H because it sounds kind of like a McDonald's. Well, I would be a threat to them for, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is gourmet hamburgers, man. This would be really good stuff. Excuse me. So, okay. Isn't that what Five Guys does? Uh, Five Guys is a really interesting backstory if you, if you read about that company, by the way. Uh, Give it to me. What is it? Well, okay, it was a long time ago, but uh, it, um, I think it's the father and the sons that were in it, and uh, the father was divorced, but he, re, re, he kind of did that to get re-engaged with the kids again, and uh, became hugely successful. I don't know, I can't remember the whole story, but, and, and but. Uh, so he opened up a restaurant so he could get closer to his kids. Yes, and what he did, now it's coming back to me. So one thing he did, he told his kids, all right, let's make the best hamburger you can possibly make. Don't worry about the money. Don't worry about what it costs. Just try to make a fantastic hamburger. And then from there, they just started, you know, that's how they build their brand. And then it was interesting. Uh, I listened to him on a podcast, uh, how, how businesses are built or how, how, it, how it was built or something like that. And, uh, how, how, you know, it was kind of interesting how they had a financial problems and growing the business and everything. And, um, um, but it was interesting anyhow. Hmm. I, yeah. I think one of the things that drove, you know, when I was, um, just out of high school, I was a bouncer in a bar and then I was a bartender, make a lot more money as a bartender than you do as a bouncer. Hmm. But the guy turned that bar into a restaurant. His family had been in the restaurant business in New York city and everything. And look, I know a floor guy, we work hard, no doubt about it. But I think the restaurant business is got to be one of the toughest things I've ever seen somebody. You can never go away from the restaurant. You are tethered to that restaurant. Yep. I mean, this guy that I work for, he was there morning, noon, and night. Mm -hmm. It was, he couldn't go on vacation. He could, it was, and I remember thinking, that is God, this is one of the toughest jobs I've ever seen, you know? I walked in one night, walked in one night to, you know, pull my bartending shift. And uh, I'm looking around. I, I was like, hey, where's Tommy? Tommy was the owner. Oh, he's out in back washing dishes. So I go walking back there. Now, him and I used to hack around, fool around a lot. You know, I go, Tom, what the hell are you doing washing dishes? You're the, you're, you're the freaking owner. He goes, well, you know, that's the restaurant business. That's That's what an owner has to do if somebody doesn't show up. You got to take, you know, you got to take their place. I go, you're the owner. Tell somebody else to do the dishes. He looks right at me and he goes, okay, Rob, get going. Do these dishes. I go, what are you, out of your mind? I'm a bartender. And they turned and walked away. <laughs> so that, and I remember, I don't know, about a year ago, some, oh, some retirement company, you know, invest in us, whatever, your 401k and, and this guy's lifelong dream was to retire and open a restaurant. And I remember him sitting there, you know, telling the investment guy and they're how we're going to get there. And I'm like, that's going to be your retirement. You're going to open a restaurant. You're going to work harder than you've ever yeah. worked in your entire life. Mm -hmm. It's funny you had that experience because I'll tell you quickly. Uh, I used to work when I was a kid, 
my my grandmother worked in a restaurant called the Lunchbox in a little town in Kentucky, right? She made a dollar twenty-five an hour, and I guess she figured that maybe I'd want to get in on this action too, at a dollar twenty-five an hour. So she got me a job there. But the the <laughs> lady the lady that ran the restaurant, uh, I think about her all the time. Her name was Katie Cummins, and her apartment was above the uh, the Lunchbox. So she took those 15 steps upstairs and it was just like, she'd go up there and sleep and come back down, go up there and sleep and come back down. Mm. And if you look at her arms, and she was an older lady at the time, her arms has burn marks down her arm, inside of her arm. And the reason for that is like early in the morning, she would make sandwiches for the factory workers and they would pick them up and she would, you know, they would, she would cut them, you know, diagonal, put them in a cellophane paper and you take an iron and you like, heat up the cellophane to self-seal the paper, though, right? And she'd fall asleep with the iron on her, uh, uh, on her oh. inside of her arm. Oh. <laughs> Jeez. So, it's yeah. brutal. It's a brutal business, man. This is a feel-good episode. This is, this is a what-not-to-do episode. All right. So, and, Let's and, go. You know, there's Seven places. out of ten businesses fail yep, in there the are first few... ten years. Yep. There are a few places that are less forgiving than the business world, right? I mean, we know that. Eventually, everything adds up. Um, if Let's face it. If your customers prefer their comp- your competitors or your employees would rather work for someone else, or if your partners no longer believe in each other, I mean, there's a lot of different ways it can go. Uh, so um, maybe let's talk about some of these things, Rob. And, and the reason why you and I could talk about this, we, you know, listen, when I started doing floors, I was 20 years old, I think. I didn't know. I mean, I, I said, I, you know, my uncle Stan was who taught me the trade, but he taught me how to do floors for six months. I had no part of my life prepared me for owning a business. It was all hard knocks. Um, I've read a lot as a young kid over the years to get better and better, but I've made a lot of mistakes starting out, man. Um, oh, oh my God. Oh yeah. So maybe, maybe we'll, let's talk about some of these things, Rob. What made well, you a loser? <laughs> and then, I, then I'll go next. <laughs> <laughs> well, right off the bat, I was in the, I, we were in the same boat, you know, when Peter and I started our business, we were, we were mechanics, you know what I mean? We were mm-hmm. just contractor craftsmen, really not big business, but I was thinking, well, Pete went to the community college and took business for two years. So, he'll be the business end of our business and I'll be sales, right? Sales and estimating. And so that all worked out really good. And Pete's brother had a, had a contracting business and he said, Oh man, you guys are starting your business. You, you got to use my accountant. The guy's awesome. So I think I told this story before, but uh, you know, I'll tell it again for guys who are starting out. Our accountant for two, three years, we we never had to pay taxes. I mean, we're filling out forms and doing this and doing that. And and really, I mean, because I remember talking to other guys who had small businesses and they're like, oh, yeah, we got to pay our quarterlies and, you know, this is due and that's due. And all the time I'm thinking, man, how come we don't have to do that? And But, you know, like I said, I'm a floor guy. I'm not a, you know. I'm not an accountant. So literally we're sitting in his, his, he ran his office out of his house. He had a small room in his house. It was office. 
And I remember all sitting in the living room having coffee and I looked over at him and I said, hey, how come we never have to pay any taxes? You know, I talked to this guy and he pays that tax and he goes, look, if you owed any money, I'd tell you, you're fine. He goes, you're a brand new business. You got nothing but write-offs. Buy okay? another gold rope, Rob. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and meanwhile, he's like, you know, I also offer a service where you just give me all your checks. I make your deposits, pay your bills. I'll pay you guys. Well, that's still, that just never really sat right with me, you know? And I was like, no, no, no. You know, you just, we'll, we'll take care of that. And you just keep doing the tax stuff, you know, and we'll come meet you twice a year or whatever we're doing. Well, long story short, of course, you say that after it's been a long story. We get uh, a letter from the IRS, like, yeah, you guys need to come in and see us. We need to talk to you guys, you and your partner. Went into the federal building and, you know, of course, first thing I did was call him. And said, hey, you know, uh, you want to come with us? <laughs> you say, Rob? You say, Rob, who? <laughs> I said, you want to come with us? He's like, no, no, stop over the office, you know, a couple of days and I'll give you a pack of papers. You'll be all set. And I was like, oh, great. Well, man, remember when the Sunday paper was huge? Yeah. Remember the big, thick Sunday paper? Mm -hmm. He gave us each a stack of papers like that. He goes, they're not going to let you two in the same room. You're going to you're going to be separated. So you're each going to need a packet. And I remember thinking to myself, thank God we got this guy as our accountant. I mean, he knows all this stuff, you know. Well, it's scary that he's been there before, obviously. <laughs> Remember, I'm young and dumb, man. Yeah. I'm a floor guy. Right. Mm -hmm. Just looking at that bank account. And I'll never forget. Ride up the elevator. They meet us. We start walking down the hallway. I go into one room. Pete goes into the other. I sit down and the guy looks at me and he goes, look, the good news is there'll be no jail time. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. Let that. And listen, this is a 1000% true story. This is not, there's, there's nothing being made up here. And I said, hey, excuse me. He goes, yeah, he goes, you guys don't have to worry about it. It wasn't you guys, but, and I'm thinking, man, when somebody starts a conversation off with the good news is you're not going to jail. Like, remember what Ziza said, once you're on the ground floor, you got some pretty yeah. solid ground to stand on, mm -hmm. you know? So as he's saying that, I, I hand him the giant pack. I said, Look at, uh, I asked the accountant to come with us, but he just said to give you this. And he said, well, your accountant isn't allowed to practice in front of us. Wow. I said, well, what about this? And he, the guy's like, you know, flipping through the pages. He's like, I have no idea what this is. He said, <laughs> I said, well, you know, I can, I can get him over here. And he goes, no, he's, he's not allowed in the building. Um, actually, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but he's under indictment right now. Wow. And this is just small town stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, this, yeah. this isn't New York City. This isn't Boston. This is, this is Waterford, New York. You know what I mean? This is just a... <laughs> and there's just a couple of floor guys running around in a green Chevy rusty van. And I'm like, no jail time. What, 
you know, what do they think that I've done here? You know, man. Oh, it was, it was crazy. So how to go broke. The, the good thing was the IRS people were really nice. And it was like, uh, I had a car payment on a Cadillac that I never really drove for a few years, but they, <laughs> they helped us figure out, you know, <laughs> how much we were going to owe. And I'll never forget. Uh, the one guy said, weren't you the least bit curious why you didn't yeah. pay a dime <laughs> and i said you know the crazy part is i sat in his living room and i asked him that question and he came up with a great answer and you know i was happy with that man yeah so That's yeah crazy. how not to go broke don't just trust the accountant find out who he's working for look into his background don't you know, just don't make the same mistake. I didn't really, you know, I just said, Oh, Hey, somebody told me this guy's great. We'll, we'll go with him. Do this guy has his, your life in his hands. And man, that was a tough way to start a business. You know, well, you kind of screw up what I was going to say next, but I'm going to roll with it. Anyhow. You know, we've all seen Rudy and uh, the story of Rudy at Notre Dame, where the Love guy that movie. was a, like a groundskeeper and he, he gets on the team. He never gets any time. He never gets any time. I think maybe one of the last games of the season, they finally put him in and, and he scores a touchdown. It's been so long since I've seen it. But, and, and I really think in some ways that's a bad message in business because I, you know, I think, and there's a book that I have that I've, someone gave me a long time ago. It's called Strength Finder, okay? Strength, like lifting weights, Strength Finder, which is a really, 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 go ahead. It's not, it's not about lifting weights, weights. man. Come no, on, lifting the weights. It's, it's not uh, what about lifting weights. No, no. This is about your, your, your strengths as a person. So, and what was interesting about what I read in this book is that they did a poll like about thousand people or maybe even more that um, did, did, do you like what you do or, or did, at your job, do you feel like you're using your best strengths at your job? And for everybody that said no, when the other question down the line was, do you feel engaged with your job? Almost every one of them said no. Okay, so if you're not good at accounting, here's where you screw up my story. If you're not good at accounting and you just, you know what, you could beat your head up against the wall, you could try to study it, you could try to learn it, or you could try to really develop your strengths, which is maybe you're just, we talked to a lot of guys uh, that are just great craftsmen. They don't even want the business part of it. They just want to get out there and that is their strength. And that's where they're productive and that's where they're engaged and that's, that's when they're in their zone. Did you take that guy and have him also, you know, do the accounting or try to try to do some part of the business that he's just not engaged with, he's not good at. Did he, did he keep studying it and studying it and studying it and try to get it? Or should you hire somebody, not the guy that you hired, uh, but hire somebody and then you play to your strength? I think sometimes we send the message of, well, these are areas that you're weak at, so you really need to develop these areas. And I don't know sometimes if it's the right way to go. I think sometimes the, the right answer is, you know what? And you started out right. And I, I was, uh, it was interesting how you started this. Pete is good at the, he's more of a financial guy than me. So you handle the books, whatever. And then you get out, you do the work. I think that sometimes makes a hell of a lot of sense to me. 
You know, if, if there's guys that love that part of it, they love the business of it, they're, 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 or, or maybe it's marketing. They love that part of it. They're, I mean, that's fun to them. They get, you know, some guys will never get uh, social media. They'll never like it. They'll never want to do it. And yeah, can I learn it? Yeah, maybe I can learn it. But maybe I spend my time doing something that makes us more successful and then I love to do. And it's what I'm passionate about. And I hire someone else to do that. And I think that's a mistake sometimes that we, we beat ourselves up and thinking that we have to do all these things when maybe sometimes it makes sense uh, to look at it a different direction. And, you know, that was uh, the great part of going into business with Pete was a lot of things that we did, we never even talked about. And we knew when we were, we were both working for my dad and we both knew that when we were going to go out on our own, that he was going to be the bookkeeper, pay the bills, be the bookkeeper. He had nothing to do with, you know, he was just turning everything over to the accountant. You know, mm -hmm. that's what the, the guy who's keeping the books does. So it wasn't, you know, I never blamed Pete. This had nothing to do with Pete. This was just, but when we started our business without even talking, we knew that I was probably going to do out, go out and be the, the talking guy, go out and do the estimates. And Pete was going to be the book guy, you know, and that's how it, and for years, we never even talked about, you know, oh, I'm doing more than you or you're doing, there was never that conversation it was just like, oh, this is great. You know, yeah. this is awesome, you know, because that's exactly what you said. We were both playing to our strengths. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, the only uh, thing I want people to get from that is you've got to you got to do some background checks here on guys. You know what that back to my uh, IRS story, you know what he was indicted for? Mm. He had a bunch of small businesses, you know, that he was doing the, kind of the same thing for. But a few people took him up on his, um, you know, paying your bills and I'll pay you and, you know, mm -hmm. I'll deposit all your checks and everything. And a guy who had a tow truck business in town who was using him, he knew that he had an amazing winter, right? And so he was going to surprise his family for the spring and say, hey, um, you know, I'm bringing everybody at Disney. So he called up the accountant and said, look, it, I want to take out, you know, X chunk of money and uh <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. so that's what he ended up that's what they found out he was doing is you know he would take this guy's money and put it in that guy's account and then move it to this one that because he was he was taking a lot of the money and that's why he was indicted and in the, the whole the whole you know thing what would, would be interesting if everybody that he took all of you guys got in a room together and analyze what you all have in common. <laughs> <laughs> now, Pete, Pete eventually went to work for the post office mm -hmm. while we were doing floors. He was working the post office at night. This is the biggest, Pete's got probably the biggest heart you'd ever meet on any guy in the world. All right. We're having coffee the next day. And he goes, oh, man, you're never going to believe what I saw. I saw a letter from our accountant's kids to his dad in prison. He no goes, kidding. He goes, isn't that the saddest thing? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I hope he gets the chair. What are you talking yeah. about? Saddest thing. I go, you wow. got to be kidding me. And, and Pete's like, oh, no, think about that. 
those kids, their dad's in jail and he can't see his kids. And I'm thinking, this guy has done the worst thing ever anybody's ever done to me. And here's Pete like, man, I feel so bad for this guy. Pete didn't give you his address? <laughs> you could have wrote him your own letter. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about uh, something else is, um, you know, one thing, the great thing about owning your own, your own, um, your own uh, business is that, hey, you're the man, you call all the shots, right? You're the owner. And the bad part about owning your own business sometimes is that you're, you, you're calling all the shots and what happens. You're you. the man, you're calling all the yeah. shots. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you make the decision on the accountant. Yeah. Yes. And I think sometimes, um, and I put myself in this early on as a kid, is that you don't define the rules. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't necessarily put plans in place. You don't put you know, necessary rules in place. You don't have a defined, um, your role is this, my role is that. You know what I mean? It's kind of commingled a lot, especially if you have family involved. And, um, and I think without a, and sometimes being the owner, you can skirt the rules or you can say, well, I'm the, I, you know, I'm the owner, so I can do this. But I think you have to have a process in place uh, for your business that you that you hold yourself accountable to, and which is tough to do. Uh, but I, I think that uh, that is a good way also of kind of letting your business go and and uh, not being in control of everything when you just don't have a, a defined roles in place. And it's ten times worse when you have employees. And they don't know exactly what the rules are or what the program is or what exactly, you know, our philosophy is and what have you. And, and it's just kind of all kind of winging it uh, without having a defined set of rules. Uh, you know, if you go to work, you said the post office. The one thing that or anybody's ever been in the military, it's boom, 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 boom. Maybe to ad nauseum, but everybody knows exactly what it is. What are the expectations? When you have to be there? When you have to clock in? Everything is lined out, lined out, lined out. And I think for small businesses, young kids starting out, maybe that you don't have those defined um, that message. I, I think that um, that can also uh, hurt your business. It's you know it's funny that um, we're going down this road because. That's one of the things that I talk to the new kids about that, uh, you know, join the training team. You know, it's not, I don't, I tell them, look, it, this isn't just, you know, we're doing floor sanding schools and doing the bonus school. I go, we are doing the number one wood floor school in the world. That's what I want you to think of this as not just, you know, we're out there training guys. We are the number one training organization for wood floors in the world. Nobody is going to put out a better product than us. And that's how I want you to approach it. That's how I want you to think about this every single day that we're in front of these students, that we're, they are attending the number one training school for wood floors in the world. So I think I, like I, yep. I define that right off the bat when we all start working together is like, this is what we do here, okay? We are number one. We are the Yankees, Dallas Cowboys, LA Lakers rolled into one. We are the number one. Everybody is trying to get to where we are. I said, so that's how we treat every day of training. And I think that's an awesome idea for a boss to have with 
the conversation with his guys. Yeah. Really define, you know, we are the number one and I want to stay there. And this is yeah. how we're going to do it type thing. Well, and I think that's, you have to know, you know, why you're in business and what your advantage is. You know what I mean? If, if you just go into the do floors and just to be another company out there, then I, I think, uh, first of all, I would never want to do that. I think you have to define, okay, what makes us special? That's why I like uh, the idea sometimes of guys being finding their niche. Like I want, I, my message is to homeowners that don't like, that don't like the, the, uh, the high VOCs. They don't like the smell. They don't like the dust. Let, let me let me find that lane and that's that's you know that's my that's my lane or some people want the the the, the green guard lane the the where they're they're just really doing you know uh selling to that type of the customer that, that that clientele that there's they speak to that clientele um i think you have to find what your lane is and what your advantage is uh, no matter what it is um but i think you have to have that going into this and knowing is okay this is our advantage this is what we stand for and i think it's important to have a mission statement i don't care if you're a one-man show you gotta i think you have to have a mission statement. you have to sit down and write down this is what we believe in this is our core values this is this is what our business plan is uh and i think that's important because it defines you can't otherwise i think you kind of float out there like you're kind of going through the career um um and you're missing all the fine points and, and I also think it, it helps me anyhow. To me, it's like going to the gym every day. All right, I know I'm, I got to do certain things. I know this is what it's about. Okay, what? I have, I have been going to the gym every day, by the way. I'm proud of you, man. That's five in great. the morning. Every morning, five in the morning. Yep. Good man. Yep, absolutely. Um, Are you benching? What are you doing? Cardio? No, I'm not, I'm, no, I'm not lifting anymore at all. No. Pilates? Uh, Pilates. No, I don't do any of that. I can't stretch. I can't stretch. Nothing stretches anymore. <laughs> um, but I am, uh, I am doing the treadmill. Well, first of all, I start, I go on the bike for 40 minutes. Um, wow. yeah. And listen, not just, I see everybody else. In the is gym it a, there. is it a nice, you know, leisurely bike ride through the country? That's exactly. I'm glad you asked me that. Hell no. There's not a, there's not a, a piece of my t-shirt that's dry when I'm done. Nice. I set it on hills and I am, I'm boom, 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 man. There's nothing. And, and, and anytime it becomes a little bit easy, I go up to the next level. Are you in one of those classes where they screaming at you? I don't go to classes. No, there's nobody there but me. And that's the thing about this five in the morning. There's maybe three people in the gym at the most. There's this other dude that talks way too much, man. I, at first I thought, cool, dude, you know, about my age. All right. You know, Second time, dude, I, I got to get away from you, man. So I put my headphones on and I, and I act like he's not there. And then there's this lady who's about 10 years younger than me. She's the meanest, <laughs> meanest lady I've ever met in my life. I, I, I get it. You don't want to talk. I don't want to talk either. But a, a good morning would be fine. You know what I mean? Nothing. Yeah. Zip. You got nothing. So, okay, that's cool. I'll do my own thing. But uh, then I go you, for the bike, 40 minutes on the bike, 30 minutes on the treadmill, and I eventually get up to the highest level, 15. I start working at, I start at number eight, I go all the way up. And, and again, when I'm done, I mean, I'm, I'm done, I'm exhausted. But then I get on the elliptical for 15 minutes. The reason I get on the elliptical, Rob, because I, and I close my eyes the whole time. I'm on that, I'm on the elliptical because I'm handed, I can hold on the handlebars. But now um, when you're on this machine, my knees are not, my knees don't hurt. And it's like, it's, if you close your eyes, it's almost like running when you're a kid with, when no, with nothing, when nothing hurts, you know what I mean? <laughs> and that's why I do that. 
running down that giant pop, that giant field filled with daisies to the little yes. house, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So other ways you can go broke. Hey, I got, uh, uh, I got another way. Uh, there was a company that started uh, in Al the Albany area back in the 90s. Not going to mention any names, but this company took Albany over, Wood Floor Company, took Albany over like gangbusters, like a storm came through, okay, from out of nowhere. And first they were just selling retail, right? They were using subs and things like that. They were buying direct some wood and everything. And then they kind of started to turn into this small wood floor distributorship for, you know, finish, sundries, wood, the whole deal. I mean, this thing is just growing like, like you've never seen a company grow. Insane. And within one year, they opened up two more divisions, one in Syracuse, one in Boston, one in Albany. They had a jingle. They had TV commercials. They were huge in the newspaper, phone book, crazy. I mean, the money that they were spending on advertising, like I said, they, they had a jingle. They had a freaking song that was made up by a, a, a marketing firm, right? Did they, did they have the same accountant as you guys? You would have thought so. Right? No, he's still in jail. Hmm. I think, I don't know. I don't know if he was in jail at the time. Mate, could have been. Um, but like I said, in, in two years, this company was the one that everybody was talking about, literally came from out of nowhere and fizzled out just as fast. Yeah. Over fizzled out just yep. as fast. Yeah. The two other, if he had just, they had just stayed in Albany, they might've made it. Okay. But it was when they, man, look at what we're doing here. You know, we can do this in Boston. We can do this in Syracuse. The overhead got crazy, but it wasn't, I mean, the overhead was, you know, getting high, but it was the advertising money, the TV. And now you're doing TV in three markets and newspapers in three markets. And yeah, like I said, in two years, they were this juggernaut just taking over everything. And within three years, they were completely gone. I yeah. mean, literally completely gone. And it, it was the overexpansion, but I think it was more of the, the advertising. The advertising is what really got them. They just weren't well, watching the, you know, they just want, weren't watching the bottom line and more advertising led to more advertising, you know? Yeah. Well, and you know, the rule is usually you want to maximize the market you're in before you move on to another market. And that's that for anybody who's been in business for a long time, when you see that, because I've seen that before myself, it is kind of a red flag because we know how hard it is to expand and to get the, the you know, employees and, and, and the quality people. And when you see that happening, it, to me, it is sometimes a red flag. Um, but uh, yeah, scary deal. Um, lack of profit is another reason why uh, a lot of companies uh, fail. Uh, and revenue is not the same as profit. As an entrepreneur, you must keep your eyes on the profitability at all times. We had Chris Zizza talking about that, how important that is. Um, 
because profit allows for growth, right? And um, according to, uh, it was a business magazine I read some time back, 40, only 40% 40 of small businesses are profitable. 30% wow. break even and 30% are losing money. Mm. So that, I'd, this, I'd like this, to know how many out of those, uh, those percentages, how many know they're losing money or don't yeah. realize that they're losing money? Yeah. So, you know, I don't want this to be a morbid, con uh, morbid, um, you know, um, podcast, but I think with a, a listen, there's enough. The, here's the good news. In most every market, there's, there's, you know, it's a viable business and, and there, there's, there's plenty of money. And especially with, with, you know, everybody could double the amount of employees they had if they, if we had the, you know, it's not a lack of, it's not for lack of, of uh, customers. I mean, this industry has plenty of customers, right? I mean, we there is a demand for hardwood floors. That's the fantastic news. There's there's industries that, that don't have that, um, and with just some changes, all, all it is is some changes and having having to look at the business and making some changes and uh, identifying areas of strengths and identifying areas where uh, maybe someone else could could uh, uh, you, you can delegate those those jobs out to other people um, that. Again, at the end of the year, it's, it's instead of being an also ran year, it could be a fantastic year. Now, the scary thing is for a lot of people, myself included, it was that when you raise those prices, and you know, I, I, I you know, it's it, for you that that thinks, oh, two seventy five. I'm just throwing numbers out there. Two seventy five. Oh, that's a lot of money, and I've always charged two seventy five. And now, oh gosh, I'm going to go to four dollars a foot. I'm going to lose all my customers. First of all, <laughs> Rob and I are not, not, not advocating doing this, and we're not. <laughs> Wayne, I listen to your podcast. Yeah, we uh, we're we're, uh, we're broke. Thanks. We, yeah, thanks for the advice. Uh, we we lost most of our clientele. So um, be careful. Can you, can you do another <laughs> podcast on staying in shape? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but. I think uh, you know a lot of people might be surprised, and if you can if you can show that you you uh, add value, I think that's the the whole thing. That, you know that you really are um, a value, and it's worth it. What have you? I go back to when I went to buy that truck, when the sales guy was kind of trying to trying to steer me towards this really cheap truck. It was, oh, it's less expensive. This is a cheaper truck, dude. I I, I came to buy a nice truck. That's what I I've, I've always had a van my whole life, and I finally wanted to buy a nice truck and. And uh, his message was all wrong to me. He could have sold me the bigger truck. And he eventually did out of, I don't know if I bought it from him or somebody else, but I eventually did buy the nicer truck. Um, you know, you, you touched on raising your price and people are afraid to raise their price. Uh, I know a company very close, you know, very close with these guys. And um, they were getting just the crap beat out of them in the market they were in. And they were, it was a race to the bottom, you know, mm -hmm. and they were adding more crews, trying to do more work, more volume at that lower rate to the point where they had certain crews that they weren't using on certain jobs because I, I can't send that crew there because, you know, I, I need it. I just can't send them there. I know I can't send them there. Mm -hmm. Well, they had a, you know, kind of a sit down. It was great that this was talking about the mentor program because this mentor 
completely changed this company. It completely turned this company around. As they're racing to the bottom and losing more and more money and hiring more and more guys to try to keep up with volume and things like that, their mentor told them, fire your your bottom three crews. They're, they're costing you. You're not making any money on those guys. Fire those guys and increase your price by 50%. They said, that's insane. We'll be out of business. And the mentor is like, listen, you, I'm telling you, try it, do it. In two years, they had fired about two, they had let go of about two thirds of their guys and their subs, kept their quality people, jacked the hell out of their price and completely turned it around. It was the only obstacle in their way was their own mind about yep. thinking, I, I can't charge that much money. Well, you know, I've said it a thousand times. I go to, I, everywhere I go, no matter what city I'm in, and somebody goes, oh, not around here. You can't get more than two bucks a foot. And there's a guy in the back, very quiet, with a big you-know-what eating grin on his face, and he's charging $5 a foot. They can do it, but you it's, just have to – you got to cultivate that. It's funny when I hear you say that because I have said the same thing for years uh, when I became a sales rep. When I started, you know, because when I when I own my own business and you own your own business and we all, <clears throat> you're almost like in a cocoon, right? Your own world, and you only know what's going on pretty much in your own world. But when you get a chance to, you know, travel around and see different territories and different guys and what have you and what they're charging, I've said I've come away with the same realization that in every market there's somebody making what everybody else says you can't possibly make. Every single market, every market yeah i've worked in a lot of different markets canada everywhere east of the mississippi united states and every single market is the same exact thing do you remember chuck crispin yes uh, uh one of the nwfa's one uh i think multiple i know he's one of floor of the year but i think maybe even multiple floor years a real talent and he worked out of works out of terra at least used to terra Haute, indiana okay doing all these fabulous jobs and I, I listened to him in a, one of his uh, schools, and uh, he says, I hear guys say all the time that, you know, people don't want this fancy work in my market. He goes, I live in Terre Haute, Indiana. It's the <laughs> armpit of America. Now, I don't know Terre Haute, Indiana, but that's according to him, right? And he's, he's half joking, but his point is that everybody says you can't do that here there's no market for it here what have you and then this guy realized that there is and he went after that market and he, and, and he did the, the key thing is differentiate himself from other people um so that goes back to you know it goes back to a long-term plan putting a system in place uh you know and leadership you talked about you know that the the companies that kind of you know didn't have great leadership and they brought somebody in I, I think, and, and I think this is such a good time of year. That's why I want to do these, we want to do these podcasts this time of the year. And I love this time of year. I said earlier that, um, you know, it's a blank, it's a blank book now. It's 365 pages. We're at the very beginning of that, that book and you get to write that book every year. So every, every year you get to, you got to write your own journey you, and, and you're, we're early on in the year. And so I, I think it's a great, and I, and look, the, being in the hardwood floor business, especially when you're an owner, it's a journey, right? It's a path that you're taking, and you get to set that path. 
And so I, I love the beginning of every year because I think it's a great time to sit down and evaluate everything you're doing and, and, and just really lay it out there and look at it from 30,000 feet instead of looking at it, you know, like being in the, in the, seeing the trees for the forest that you really just, you know, put everything out there on the table, get out the whiteboard and, and write, you know, what's worked last year, what didn't work last year, what, what our goals are this year, what worked last, you know, what we had for last year um, is, you know, uh, our, is our profit margin where it needs to be? Are we buying smart? All those type of questions. I think just a good time to do it. And as I said, listen, Rob and I know full well that we're two old guys sitting behind a microphone, right? And um, easy for us to say, we know the grind, we know, we, we know what, you know, what that means when we say these things, but, you know, may, maybe for somebody it will, it will help them. Um, I, was you know, uh, I, I know that's, you're right, we're just a couple of old queens behind this microphone, right? But we've both been on both sides of this. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen between being national sales manager, right, and training, and all the people that we're meeting, and all the guys that we talked to, and the guys who did it right, and some of the guys who didn't do it right, some of the guys who made some mistakes along the way, that's where a lot of this information is coming from, guys. It's not that, you know, Wayne and I sit here pontificating. A lot of what you hear is just stories. That, that we heard from other guys and things that they did that worked for them and things that they did that didn't work for them. Wayne and I are in the unique position of where we get to talk to so many people throughout the country. And, you know, we just kind of, this podcast has been great to share what we learn from other people. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, we try not to be preachy the at all i mean everybody's journey is different man and 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 it's it's not about that and um i think it's coming from the spirit of we 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 love the industry and and, and the the people that are in it and we want to see everybody be successful and uh, we want all those boats to rise with that tide right man, that's right you know well, how do they say that what do they say I don't know. <laughs> you know the rising boats get catch that tide in the morning right I'm going to say one other thing, um, not having a succession plan in place. Uh, and and I've, I've seen this, gosh, I've, I've seen this not in the flooring industry, but I've seen this in construction industry. I used to work for a big construction company in Northern California that were wildly successful. And then the sun took over. And um, they just because the plan, there was not a good plan in place. This is, I mean, this, this is a company that hired 100 guys and they had no real plan in place. And the old guy had Alzheimer's towards the end, so he didn't do a really good transition thing and really well. And, and then the company in a short amount of time went from that many guys to basically, you know, five guys. You know wow. what I mean? It went down to nothing. Oh, in fact, and what happened, they couldn't get bonded on the bigger jobs now. So they couldn't, they, they, they couldn't get on the big jobs. They were too big for the smaller jobs. So they had, their niche was gone. And they were sitting down with all these petty bones and all these big tractors and, you know, bulldozers and all this stuff that, like I said, you can't get them on the big job now. You can't use them on the small job. So they were st stuck and eventually really went out and they were down to just ba basically a guy with a backhoe and a truck, hmm. which is mind blowing to me, but they really had no succession plan in place. Uh, so when you, you want to make sure that uh, you have an effective plan uh, so you're not unprepared to fill the openings cre created by retirements or just, you know, departures or that kind of stuff. 
And I, I, I really like what, um, what Chris says. We've talked about it before on this though, is finding a mentor. If you don't know, if you don't know a lot about business, you don't come from that background world. Uh, there are organizations there are people you can reach out to that, uh, that can help a young struggling business. And it, like you look at Chris, I mean, he loves that. And I know, he, I know it's genuine because I've seen him in, in action. And, and I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I would like to do the same thing if I had time to take a young kid under my wings. But that's why I don't homeschool my own kids. If I had kids, I would never homeschool my own kids. I'd be scared to death of what they'd come out like. <laughs> you know, but what, it's funny when Chris was saying, you know, some of the best moves that he made in his career came right from his mentor. Yeah. And, and he goes right back to, you know, giving his props to that. So, yeah. And, and I think that's why he gives back so much. Uh, I want to, um, two other things I want to hit on. One um, is share your map with other people. In other words, um, if you're in New York, if you ever go to New York and you open up a map, and you start looking around and you look back at the map and you look around, like, you'll find three or four guys come up and go, what are you looking for? You know what I mean? What are you, what, what are you lost? What are you looking for? And I, I think that the more you share your plan with other people, um, get them to believe in you, right? Um, successful entrepreneurs are always selling their visions. You might you need to talk to your vendors, your partners or landlords or employees or, or customers you know, you know, make sure you put yourself out there and, and let them know what you're all about, number one. And number two, and this is so important. You know, I, I hear people all the time that say, well, I don't take a deposit, you know, and I, I, I do it on a handshake. I don't take a deposit. They, you know, pay me blah, blah, blah. Listen, I was on a job when the guy died. I was on a job when they, when she found that him, found, the homeowner found that her husband was cheating in the middle of the job. You talk about ugly. I mean, and now where's, you know, you're, you're going to ask for your check now, now that their world's upside down or the guy that was dead. I mean, you know what I mean? I really think it's important that you get paid in advance, ask for the deposits or, 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 or you, know, you know, get your payments along the way. Does that disasters happen? Um, you know, um, <laughs> be careful who you offer credit to and let them, you know, take advantage of that. And especially with big builders, put them on a schedule. So uh, listen, that was some great, those last two points were great. Okay. Uh, the, the one thing though, that I would like to stress to everybody, if you're walking around Manhattan, like Wayne just said, and you pop open a map, don't, don't do things like that. Okay. Go sit down someplace, have a cup of coffee, do it, but don't open up a map and walk around. That's just like, please take my wallet. Okay. No. You don't, you don't want to be, and, and nobody in New York is going to walk up to you <laughs> and say, Oh my God, can I help? We're not in Terre Haute, Indiana. This is, <laughs> I'll tell you what, you're, you're in Queens and you're lost. The, the only thing don't do, just don't do that. Someday come to New York and I'll show you how to walk around New York. All right. Very quiet. Keep your head down. Don't look yeah. at anybody. You know, look at some of the sites. Glance. Don't <laughs> don't stand there with your head wide, you know, and you're wow, look, look, don't don't do that because be that there's guy. people look there's people looking for you. Okay. 
I don't think so, man. I think New Yorkers get a bad rap. I, I think there are uh, uh, be plenty of people that want to help you. There. <laughs> okay. That's that's awesome. That's really nice. <laughs> you know, Wayne, um, I know we thought maybe this episode could be a bummer, but, you know, there's some points here that I wish somebody had told me uh, when I was starting out in my own business. This could have saved me a lot of heartache and headaches and definitely, you know, made more money. So hopefully everybody will get something from this episode. Yeah, especially before you met the accountant. <laughs> the accountant. I'm going to write my own movie for that guy. Yeah, I agree, Rob. And again, I'll just mention that book one time because it's such an easy read. It's like, this is a, I'm not a book, I don't read a lot of books, but this is a super easy, really easy book. It's called Strength Finders and it's from Gallup. Tom Rath is the author, I believe. Uh, I think Tom Rath is. Anyhow, uh, fun. I think between this episode and the episode with Chris Aziza, and also we talk about it a lot, but it, it came up in the last two episodes a little bit with uh, social media. That episode we did with Erica Kitsy was was fantastic. She is really great information on social media, so you might want to check that one out. And thank you very much. We appreciate you listening. And this has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode.